0: Neighborhood Conversations podcast. Today's episode was originally recorded on January 14, 2024. We're going to read from and hear from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter one, verses one through eleven. I invite you to stand as you're willing and able, as we listen for these words, these ancient words that come to us. Listen, listen. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to God's people through these words. The beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, God's Son, happened just as it is written about in the prophecy of Isaiah. Look, I am sending a messenger before you. He will prepare your way. A voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. John the Baptist was in the wilderness calling for people to be baptized to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. Everyone in Judea and all the people of Jerusalem went out to the Jordan River and were being baptized by John as they confessed their sins. John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. Mm. He announced, One stronger than I is coming after me. I'm not even worthy to bend over and loosen the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. About that time, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. While he was coming up out of the water, Jesus saw heaven splitting open and the Spirit, like a dove, coming down on him. And there was a voice from heaven, You are my Son, who I dearly love. In you I find happiness. This is the Word of God for us, the beloved people of God. Will you say, Thanks be to God? Precious God, thank you for this day, for the gift of it. God, thank you for this chance to gather together as your beloved people, to remember and to claim that we are loved by you, and God, indeed, that we love you. God, shine your light into this place. God, I pray that you would speak through me and in spite of me. God, let your light shine through my words and through what we all do here today. God, I pray that what we know is your deep and abiding love for us and indeed for the whole world. God, let that love permeate all the choices that we make until we gather together at that table as the beloved community in its fullness. God, I pray and ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who is the light of the world and the one who calls us to be the light of the world as well. It's in his name we pray and all God's people said, amen. So, a long, long, long time ago, I really wanted this human to like me. I liked them very, very much in a romantic way, okay? Um, But I was in high school, and I had no idea what I was doing. We were very good friends, and we hung out almost every day, and I was absolutely crushing on this person, as the young people say, for years. And I did absolutely everything I could to tell them that I adored them other than, you know, telling them with my words. (laughs) Young people, life is too short to not just use your words, okay? But I tried all the other things, right? I would buy them little gifts. I would drop everything to be there when they needed me. I would be attentive and helpful. I even tried to write a very modern poem with no rhymes or anything. I was that cool and sophisticated. And I submitted this poem to our school literary magazine. Yeah, mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm. See, you know the error of that, yeah, see, you're wise. (laughs) So this poem um, was about a human who was very, very cool and had a best friend who loved them and didn't know it and it was rejected by the editors. (laughs) Ultimately, so was I by this human romantically. Um, There's a lot more to this story, but all of my attempts uh, to shift my relationship with this person from friendship to romance went nowhere. And to be clear, this person and I are still friends, even now, and I absolutely adore them, even now. They have saved my life on multiple occasions. We are old friends at this point, which is wonderful, but, you know, that's it. Because as it turns out, the vast majority of the time, not all the time, but the vast majority of the time, you can't earn love. You can earn respect. You can deepen a friendship. You can mend damaged relationships, but you can't earn romantic love. At least, that's never happened to me. I mean, love is pretty mysterious and strange. Things happen all the time. I'd love to hear your stories if you want to change my mind. But in my experience, true love just happens. You find the right person, and you just go zing, and the sparks fly, and you go from there. You can't bring another person enough gifts or do enough feats of strength or write enough cringy poetry to have them suddenly fall in love with you. I bring this up because in our text for the day, there are some attempts to earn love. Before you get all mad at me, this is how the text reads. John the baptizer was doing the best he knew how to do. He offered all kinds of everyday people a way to express that they wanted to live a new life, a new and changed life through the ritual of baptism, a practice that has similar parallels even in modern expressions of Judaism and Islam. Water can be a powerful image and symbol. And John invited people to come out of the cities and to the wilderness around the Jordan River where they could ritually wash in the river water to show God and everybody else that they were serious. I'm serious this time, guys, about changing their life and really, really asking for forgiveness for all of the stuff that they did. But in this text, There isn't any acknowledgement of actual forgiveness in John's baptism. John's baptism is an expression of intent and intent alone. And intent is great, y'all. It's a start, but it isn't enough. And I think it's interesting the words in Mark's gospel in this text surrounding John. Change your hearts and lives. Forgiveness, confession. The one coming after me is stronger than me. I'm not worthy to untie his shoelaces. There is language of needing to change because the current state of a person's life isn't good or maybe good enough for God to love them, for God to accept them, for God to be in relationship with them. Forgiveness is needed And this is, we don't think about this all the time, but forgiveness is debt language. Do you know what I mean by that? In this frame, we owe God something, and when we show our desire to change, this pays God what God wants, and our debt is settled. It's forgiven, and we return to a neutral state with God. That's one way of thinking about it. In other other words, we don't earn love. We pay off our negative love debt And then we return to a neutral, zero state with God. We confess our sins, naming our deficiencies and shortcomings out loud so that we can start again. And even John has this inferiority complex. I'm not worthy to untie his shoelaces. John was doing the best he knew how to do. Inviting people to express their intent to change, helping them ritually wash away their past in the hopes that this intention and this action might impact how God saw them. None of these impulses or actions are bad in and of themselves, but underneath it all is some harmful theology. It's a theology that never died. It is alive and well in contemporary churches too. It's a theology that says this, God is pretty angry with you, you have done some bad stuff according to us and therefore you have some work to do to make up this love debt with god yes there's often jesus language about him paying the debt on the cross and being forgiven out of god's grace and all these things are close to the mark but i think they miss the point well that's not fair this this way of thinking is a kind of prototype It's one step along the way. It's an attempt to solve a problem that humans have. It's a good attempt, and maybe it helped some folks. Maybe it helped you along the way, but it's an attempt. It's not the final answer. It's preparing the way. It is not the way. Because you can't earn love. And you really can't earn God's love because you already have it. From before you take your first breath, the infinite oceanic love of God is for you and with you and all around you. Nothing you can ever do will make God love you more or less. The love that God has for you is unconditional and unending, and this does not make a lot of sense. I think most of us feel like we are just okay most of the time. That there are some good things about us, and there are some not so good things, and probably God thinks, us, thinks about us in the same kind of way, that we are mostly okay, but God is also, you know, kind of disappointed in us a lot of the time. But the truth is that God's love is constant, unchanging, infinite, and y'all, Mysterious. And we know this because in the story that we just read, Jesus steps into the spotlight of the story. This is his very first appearance in Mark's gospel. Mark starts with this story. And Jesus comes out from Nazareth into the wilderness with all the other people, and he's baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, we aren't told why Jesus went out there, at least not by Mark. You can come up with your own reasons. I think this is a place for our imagination. Maybe Jesus was, up until this point, uncertain of his identity. Maybe he had some inklings, some nudges, and some glimpses, but maybe he was also just a regular guy trying to do right, who, you know, had made some mistakes in high school. Or maybe he was fully aware Of his divine nature and was going to the river to fulfill all righteousness, to do the right things for the people who need those things to be done rightly. He was showing us how to do it, y'all. Whatever the reason, Jesus goes to John, goes under the water, and when he comes up out of the water, it's like the sky tears open. And God's spirit, looking like a dove, comes down from this split between heaven and earth and this dimension, and a voice rings out saying, You are my son, who I dearly love. In you I find happiness. In my imagination, perhaps influenced by stained glass windows that, you know, you see around, along with the dove and the voice, there is this light, radiant Divine light bursting out from this tear in the sky. Light that shines on Jesus. Light that congeals into the form of a dove. Light that speaks words of love and delight and connection. Y'all, this is what the light can do. The light can claim us as God's beloved. In this story, the light tears open reality to show Jesus who he is. He is the child of the Most High. He is beloved. And the light reminds Jesus that when God looks at him, God is happy. There is a teaching of the church that I want you to remember. Maybe if you don't remember anything else, because it's a key to sort of how all of this works, all of this stuff that we do. It's pretty central to our life together. And it might take a year of Sundays to process and understand. It works if you work it, keep coming back, okay? But here it is. What Jesus experiences, we experience as people of faith. Okay? That sounds kind of basic, but it's encoded in the Christian year and in the stories that we tell. When we connect ourselves to the way of Jesus, the things that happen to Jesus in the narrative can and do happen to us, sometimes individually and sometimes collectively. Because of this, when the light of God speaks these words to Jesus at his baptism, these words are spoken to all of us. What happens to Jesus happens to us. And these things are spoken to all of us because they are true for all of us. Each and every one of us, each and every person that you have ever met is a beloved child of God. And when God looks at you, God is tickled pink that you exist. God is madly in love with you. And God is all the time tearing open reality to show you love and how delighted God is with you. God is all the time running up that road, running up that hill, running up that building, pulling aside the veil between our minds and God's reality to show us that we don't have to do anything to earn God's love and delight in us. It's already there. It always has been, even if it doesn't feel like it. Y'all, I wonder how many of us live with this sense of delight and joy, this sense that God is pleased with us. Not just, not just intellectually, not just transactionally, but in a tangible way. Like, do you feel it? Maybe none of us wrestle with this, but I know plenty of people that do. They wrestled with this because in the churches that they grew up in, there were some pretty unhealthy messages. There were messages of guilt and control, of shame and manipulation, often wrapped in language of love and concern. But if you boiled it down, God seemed pretty angry all the time. And Jesus was pretty disappointed, or he was so busy dying for everyone that it was hard to know what he was concerned with right now for us. And the overall framework was a blend of, you aren't worthy, mixed with, you know, images of violence needed to appease a distant and a disappointed God. But y'all, how many of us grew up in that kind of congregation or tradition, and God still found us anyway? How many of us grew up in a toxic faith environment and the living, loving, radiant, real God found us in those places and showed us who we really are and who God really is? I'm not asking for you to speak up right now, but I would absolutely love to hear your story because I am struck by how John did his best to help people connect with God, but the underlying framework that John was working with is still caught up in guilt and shame and debt and all of that. And Jesus went down to the river for some mysterious reason. Jesus showed up at that little wilderness Baptist church, and it was in that place that God tore open the fabric of reality to show him That he was the beloved child of God. That God had nothing but delight and pride and joy for him. God found Jesus even in that place. And God can find any of us. That is what the light can do, y'all. In the most unexpected time and places, reality can rip open and God can show up and show us that there is nothing but the radiant light and oceanic love of God for all of us, all around, all the time. Y'all, you can't earn God's love because you don't have to. It's already pouring from God's heart, looking for us, finding us, claiming us, reminding us who we are, What we do need, though, are reminders of what's already true. Y'all, if you're like me, how quickly do we forget? I fall asleep to the fact that I am loved by God in an infinite way. And this is what Christian baptism can be for us. A reminder of what is already true. That we are God's beloved child, that God is delighted in us, I think that many of us may have experienced baptism in other churches that were closer to John's kind of baptism, a baptism that's filled with images of guilt and sin and unworthiness. But even then, God can find us. God's love is still for us because the love of God doesn't come from the act of baptism. Being baptized doesn't make God love us any more or less. Baptism is for us. You you can do things sometimes that reveal God's love, that remind you of God's love. And the sacraments like communion and baptism are some of these actions that reveal through tangible and visible signs what is true in the inward and spiritual places. Things like baptism turn a spotlight onto us who we are in God's heart, beloved, delightful, claimed always. And so, friends, in a moment, you will have the chance to come and to touch this water. It's just ordinary water. It's City of Atlanta tap water. But even ordinary water can reveal God's light, shining into our reality. You are invited to touch this water and remember that you are God's beloved child, and I would invite you to let this assurance influence your actions. You can't earn love from God, but once you know that you are loved, know that you belong to and with God, you are empowered to show and to share love in a different kind of way. It's an unanxious way. You become like a prism, the light shining into you, and through you, you shine onto others so that they can know that God is also delighted in them, that God is especially fond of them also. You don't have to be worried about how much God loves you all the time, so you can spend your time showing people that God also loves them too. I will note that when you shine light through water, you create a rainbow sometimes, (laughs) This is an interesting feature that God embedded into the laws of physics at the beginning of the beginning, that light shining through everyday water makes a brilliant rainbow of pride, delight, and love. I'm just throwing that out there as an image to take home with you. Y'all, in just a moment, I invite you to take this water, to touch this water, and remember who you are. And reclaim the power that God has already given you to shine with the radiant and colorful love of God so that other folks, even and especially folks still living with harmful theologies and toxic churches, and that far off places where they don't even know who they are, that these folks too can know God is delighted in them also. Y'all, this is what the light can do. The light can find us. The light can claim us. And the light can shine through us with color and brilliance so that others can find the love of God too. May it be so, neighbors. May it be so. Neighborhood Conversations produced by Neighborhood Church in Atlanta, Georgia. You can learn more about us at neighborhoodchurchatl.com And on our website, you can find links to our weekly live streams, and you can find out what's going on in the neighborhood. Find us on social media, and don't forget to subscribe. Peace be with you.